Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. I certainly don't want to pour salt into any wounds. And today is not an easy day if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan. But tell me if you've heard this before. There's a game-clinching opportunity in Doc Rivers, and Philadelphia came up short. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas, all eyes last night. We're going to be on the Celtics and the Sixers. Now, I'll be transparent with you guys because that's the only way we ever do business on this show. Having some technical issues early in this show so far. Harry not with the show. Wi-Fi being a bit of an issue for his connection. So as soon as Harry can hop into this conversation, I'm sure he will. But in the meantime, that just means you get more me. So you're welcome. Finally, guys, can we just rename the show? That's the Jason Fitz show now. And if Harry comes on, then we'll make it Fitz and Harry. I don't know how we feel about that. I'll even give you guys a featuring featuring Evan and Devin, like well, like maybe featuring the boys, uh, the Vins, because you both got such similar names. Like what, what, what workshop in this live? What do you think? I think you're more likely to be filling in on the Harry Douglas show uh, while he gets stuff ready. Probably. A fair point. One of the bosses is in the control room with the guys and just raised his coffee with a nod of appreciation. Thank you so much, Slim. You make one comment about a boss getting greased up, and all of a sudden this is what happens. Right. All right. So all eyes Excuse last me. night. You're welcome. Uh, all eyes last night were on Boston and Philly, and you know the, it, from the outset it was a strange game. It was a strange game in the sense that. Jason Tatum, who we all you know know through the course of this series, has started slow several times, couldn't hit anything early on. I mean, just painful to watch open shots not fall. And then as the game went on, unbelievably, the Sixers unravel in the fourth after a rally in the third. All of a sudden, Tatum starts hitting those glorious shots. Now he's contested. When there's nobody around him, Tatum didn't hit him. When everybody was in his face, Tatum starts finally taking the opportunity and making the most of it. And we watched Boston just surge throughout this game, a game that they control for much of the time, and they get a huge win. So now what? Because this has everybody freaking out. Philly fans are freaking out, rightfully so. Why? Well, let's remind you, Doc Rivers is now 17-32 and 32 in closeout games. 17-32. and 32. Okay, that doesn't disturb you enough. How about this? Doc Rivers has blown three 3-1 series leads in his playoff career. That's staggering. No team has more uh, comebacks from being down 3-1 than the Celtics. And no coach seems to be worse when they're in these situations than Doc Rivers. This is like a terrible, I'm watching Twitter as I'm watching the games, and you guys are seeing it too, and our buddies that come on the show, like Kevin Nagandi, big 76ers fan, just watching him implode on Twitter because we're watching what we've seen so many times. But for all of the things we've seen before, maybe the most staggering thing we saw was something that we've never seen before, and it was Joel Embiid become invisible. Embiid had two shots in the final six minutes of the game. Two shots in six minutes. Didn't touch the ball in the final 356 of the fourth quarter. This is what Embiid had to say after the game about what went wrong. We had a lot of wide-open shots. Uh, we didn't make them. We stopped moving the ball. I think I don't think I touched the ball the last four minutes of the game. 
like I said, miss a lot of good looks. I didn't touch the ball at all. Uh, it, Harry is now with us. We've got Harry Douglas. Harry, I don't know what's more staggering to me, that we watched Tatum go from not being able to hit anything uh, to suddenly get hot when he was absolutely covered to the opposite side of it. Joel Embiid, as I just said, two shots in the final six minutes when the Sixers needed him the most. They couldn't find a way to get him involved in the game. Yeah, and I think that's inexcusable. It's inexcusable from his teammates and also James Harden being the point guard of that team, but also inexcusable from Doc Rivers being the head coach. And we got to think about this now. Doc Rivers, even though he's had some, you know, when it comes to closeout games, he hasn't been as good as a head coach, but he's still a pretty good damn coach in the National Basketball Association. So, Joel Embiid fits. Am I, uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong. He's the MVP of the league, right? Yeah, he sure is. Okay, so the last 357 of the fourth quarter, Joel Embiid had zero shots. And this is how it ended up for the Philadelphia 76ers. Tyrese Maxey missed a three. P.J. Tucker missed a three. DeAnthony Melton missed a shot. James Harden missed a layup. And then a James Harden turnover. At what point does your brain, does, does something in your brain, a light go off in your brain that says, you know what, our MVP award winner needs the basketball he has to take shots. I would rather Joel Embiid take shot to take a shot over two guys more so. There's a reason why PJ Tucker is wide open. Right? DeAnthony Melton, he came in the first game and had, you know, gave him a, a nice spark off the bench, hit five threes. But in 24 minutes played yesterday, he was 0 for 5 with zero points. So why would I want him shooting that ball in the last four minutes of a basketball game when we have a guy being an MVP award winner? Named Joel Embiid, that's a matchup nightmare. And we got we also got to give the Celtics a little credit on the way they defended Embiid as well. But still, you find ways to get this guy the ball. And Doc Rivers and James Harden, y'all two guys have been involved in the NBA for a very, very long time. Y'all should have acknowledged it and noticed it and got him the basketball. I think sometimes, and I was talking to some of the guys in the halls today before we started our show. We were just talking about the game last night. And what's funny is that in the NFL, we allow coaching to be a bigger part of the conversation because frankly if we see somebody not get the ball a lot if we see a great wide receiver not get a lot of throws uh catches if we see a quarterback not getting the opportunity to throw the ball a lot how often have we said wait don't judge lamar jackson until we see lamar jackson with a better offensive coordinator right sometimes Mm -hmm. we look at limitations in the nfl and our first thought is we look at coaches right away and we say what the hell are you doing right like i want to hold that same standard in some ways when it comes to what we saw last night because yes in a beautiful world i could see where it's an easy comment to say, well, Embiid needs to be more aggressive and call for the ball more. Fine. I'll I'll give you maybe there's part of that. But also, where's your creativity in figuring out, okay, what are we going to do? This is how we're being defended. Uh, The Celtics went bigger last night defensively. This is how we're being defended. We've had a whole damn game to figure out how to get Embiid the ball. How do you not, in that moment, at the end, just call your guys together and say, one focus, create something, whether it's finding a way to get it in there and forcing some contact whether it's finding a way to just get in there and take your chances, like you have got to find a way to get the MVP Ooh, the ball. Fits. fits. And, and the worst part about it is because when Jason Tatum hit that three-pointer with 335 left to put the Celtics up 87-83, Doc Rivers called a timeout. He called a timeout. Yes. So immediately out of that timeout was a maxi three that he missed. So you had a timeout to discuss these things with your ball club to figure out, you know what, guys, we need to get this ball to Embiid. You was down 16 points in that ball game, and you led a comeback. You had a comeback. Well, guess who was a part of the comeback? Joel Embiid, who won the MVP trophy this season. 
So I, why wouldn't he be a part of the last 357 when it comes to shot attempts? Uh, 100% correct. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, here's the thing, Harry. I was I was watching last night. Uh, you know, frankly, I was uh, sitting at the piano, uh, you know, working on a little music stuff. I had the uh, TV slanted to me and then just facing it. I got the living room set up right like I'm playing the keys a little bit, watching it. And I actually just slammed all of the keys down on the piano at one point. And I said, why the hell are you still playing like you're 16 down? Because... <laughs> <laughs> to your point, early on, I understand if you feel like you got to abandon everything. But when you reach the midway point of the fourth quarter and you are talking about a close game, at this point, you got to understand not where you were, but where you are. And you have to un- you have to adjust the thinking, in my mind, strategically into we are in the situation now where, frankly, the more we can get the ball to Embiid, the better. In my mind, it's simple. Now, Jay Will, I want you to hear this is what uh, Jay Williams said on Keyshawn, Jay Will and Max this morning about Embiid demanding the ball down the stretch how the hell does he not get his shot with three minutes and 56 seconds left to go in the game did not attempt a shot not one max he's the mvp of the league a lot of that is on Joel Embiid because he needs to demand the ball and say give me the ball i know we're getting open looks but when pj tucker is getting open looks there's reasons in this league why certain players get open looks they're getting looks for a reason so doc yeah. rivers needs to set up some plays in order for your MVP to get a shot. Should he have demanded the ball more in your mind, Harry? Yeah, that's a part of it too, right? But I think collectively, I think it's on everybody. Joel Embiid has to be more vocal in that moment, especially like when you when you, we got the Celtics shooting a free throw, right? Hey, guys, get me the damn ball. And I don't think guys on this on this team is going to take it the wrong way because he would do it in this post game interview and say we have to hit shots and he didn't get the ball. But I think if you can say it in post game, I think you could say it on the court when you're with your teammates as well. Yeah, this is why I think Philly fans are nervous. On top of the fact that Embiid didn't get the ball, on top of the fact that Tatum shot poor, that's terribly until the fourth quarter. Mm, mm, on top mm. of all of that, I mentioned it earlier. I'll say it again. Doc Rivers is 17 and 32 in closeout games in his career. 17 and 32. Now, this series is 3-2, but remember, the Rivers has blown 3-1 three, series leads over the course of his playoff career, and no franchise has more comebacks from down 3-1. So, like, when you start to add all this together, if you've seen it happen in 3-1, what can happen in 3-2? I'm only Uh-oh. speaking to what Philly fans are feeling right now because I can understand the panic. Now, with all that panic, you mentioned it earlier, at some point you also have to look at the Celtics' side of all of this. question is, will Jason Tatum's magical fourth quarter carry over to Game 7? And if it does, what does that all mean? We'll keep breaking this matchup down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Tatum fires for three-wing right. Got it. Four threes in the fourth quarter for Jason Tatum. Game six belongs to the Celtics. There'll be a game seven on Sunday in Boston. Boston 95, Philadelphia 86. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Tatum shoots for three. Oh, three straight makes from downtown for a Tatum. Give them 16. Tatum fires for three wing right. Got it. Four threes in the fourth quarter for Jason Tatum. Game six belongs to the Celtics. There'll be a game seven on Sunday in Boston. Boston 95, Philadelphia 86. It was a hard fought win. Team effort. We needed everything we had. We're playing against a really good team. That's what playoff basketball is about.
It's Love Fridays on Fitz and Harry. Down, down, down. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. I love you, Annabelle. It's Love Fridays. We'll keep the tunes going. I can see Harry dancing even if you guys can't. I'm not sure how Love Fridays works. Like, I'm wearing a Johnny Cupcakes hot pink Doug shirt. I, don't, I, I didn't think that out well for Love Fridays. Like, I don't have a Love Friday shirt on. I have kind of obnoxious, colorful shirt on, Harry. I, I failed this a little bit. Now I'm realizing today should have been like a velvet shirt sort of day. Yes, man. Been like a yes. jacket. Like Look, I, I put on my collar shirt with stripes. It's white and blue. Yeah. You, and, you know. know, I was ready. When I got my hair cut this morning, left the beard dark. You know, my wife says she like when I have my beard dark. You know, Mother's Day weekend, got to do what, what she wants. But, man, Vince, I had to pivot. You know how, you know, RC them have the, the podcast pivot mm-hmm. yeah i had to pivot before this show started because you know things were discombobulated downstairs with my with my with my unit and stuff for the show so i had to drastically immediately pick everything up uh put it in my arms run upstairs get set in place and man i'm i'm up I'm, 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 I'm sweating like a you know somebody yeah. on that pole boy, yeah. uh, right now uh, yeah. uh, i'm sweating right. quite a couple of questions Seems like you're you're a little winded. Um, I mean that that's because remember Harry Douglas played uh, in the NFL for ten years, so that's what happens when you have an estate. Like you weren't able just to ride on the moving walkways, or like what? Like this is the thing. Like did, did you did the have- elevator? The elevator is out of order right oh, now. Okay. Elevator. How many elevators do you have? Like you probably could have taken the, the 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 spare elevator, right? Right. I mean, you would have thought like or taken the golf cart. Like, is there a golf cart that goes upstairs? I, I would think like Harry. I mean, when you're talking about the Palace of Douglas, I, I well, just- I'll, be, I'll be honest with you guys i don't think i've moved that fast and quickly since i was playing in the national football league honestly i mean and and, uh it was brief but i would like to thank everybody that took the time to listen to the jason fitz show featuring evan and devin it was sure uh, i I thought you were filling in on my show uh, well (laughs) as yet under don't go back and listen to the podcast we'll just go with that uh you guys should go back and listen to the podcast though for sure uh it's the evan and devin show he's harry douglas i'm jason fitz and we're we're presented by progressive insurance i'll learn to read at some point Presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks. Thanks. See, thank you so much, Devin. That's see, I need his help. I'm not even winded. <laughs> uh, don't forget tonight, Knicks at Heat, 7:30 p.m. Coverage begins with NBA countdown at 7 p.m. and then Warriors at Lakers, 10 p.m. Game also right here on ESPN Radio. Coverage begins at 9:30 p.m. So if you're out there getting ready to go on a Friday night bender, you can still have us on on the radio and listen to all the action. Last night we saw all the action between the Celtics and the 76ers, and some of that involved Jason Tatum missing so many wide open shots it was absolutely incredible until the fourth quarter when suddenly it was like he was at I don't know 87 people roughly were guarding him on every shot and he still managed to find a way to get in it was wild to see somebody shoot poorly when it was easy and shoot so well when it was difficult and he was asked about it afterwards with the great Cassidy Hubbard on the sidelines and this is what he said with her immediately after the game I'm one of humbly one of the best basketball players in the world you know go through struggles go through slumps it's a long game, and you know, thankful I got some great teammates that held it down. Brogdon, JB, Smart, Al, and they all trust me, right? They tell me keep taking great looks. It's gonna fall. Keep impacting the game in other ways. And all that mattered was we won this game, right? Give ourselves another chance. Come back home, you know, for Game Seven. Harry, I love the breakdown of it, and he's not wrong. Like at some point, when you're as good as what he as he is, you just gotta trust. If you've got the right looks, they're going to start falling. Well, first I would say, you know, it's a lot of credit to his teammates, right? So for keeping the Boston Celtics afloat, 
why their superstar player wasn't good for the field. And we talk about how bad was Jason Tatum? Well, in the first three quarters, he had three points, one for 13 from the field, 0 for 6 from the three-point line, right? But in the fourth quarter, he found a way to hit 16 points. He was 4 for 8 from the field and 4 for 5 from the three-point line, right? But it goes to show you, though, Fitz, when you believe in yourself and you have that confidence, even, you know, the first three quarters, as poor as it was for Jason Tatum, when the biggest moment arose, he stepped up to the plate and was able to make the shots necessary to put the Boston Celtics over the hump in this ball game to force a game seven. That's why Fitz, when you, when they had the Celtics had those two games where Jason Tatum was passing the ball or whatnot. That's why I was getting upset because I know the shot making ability that he's capable of, and I would live with the results of him shooting a bad shot. Versus Marcus Smart having a wide-open shot. And we've seen that yesterday. The four threes that he hit, especially the two, um, to, to really, really, really get the Boston Celtics going at a certain point late in that fourth quarter. I'm saying to myself, like, wow, it's just when, when you're destined for greatness, when you're an unbelievable player, when you're a superstar player in this league, it doesn't matter how poorly you're doing throughout the game. When it matters the most, can you show up for your team? And that's what Jason Tatum did yesterday. It's Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Now, I think I've figured out how to solve this because not the first game he started slow. But before I tell you my solution, you Uh-oh. should hear what Joe Mazzulla's solution, the actual head coach of the Celtics, was because he was asked what his message was to Tatum while Tatum was shooting poorly. Tell him I love him. Yeah, it's a pretty powerful statement. So you think you think that impact? I do. Yeah. So you'll tell him for game seven, forty eight. Multiple times, <laughs> over and over again, and the rest of the team. All right, so he tells him he loves him. Here's a better <laughs> idea than just telling him I love oh, you. Oh uh, Like like right before game seven, I say you just bring the whole Celtics out and you start playing the game, even if you're just playing with each other, you start playing the game like 45 minutes early. That way, you know, whatever this thing is that's hurting him for the first half, let them play like scrimmage against each other in a way that he gets all of that out. He'll start fire at that point. You just bring him out, maybe start your warm-ups an hour earlier than usual, then you start a scrimmage 45 minutes earlier than usual, then bam, you're right in rhythm, Harry. Well, I think the scary part uh, about it all, him starting so, you know, awful, is that it happened the previous two games as well, Fitz. You know what I mean? So at what point are we going to get a full, complete game from Jason Tatum when the Boston Celtics needed the most? Game seven is coming up. And I think what he was able to do in that fourth quarter, scoring those 16 points and also outscoring Philadelphia 16-13, to 13, he outscored the Philadelphia 76ers' entire team by himself. I think it's going to be able to carry over in game seven because they need him tremendously. Now, how bad do they need him? Do they need Jason Tatum to score 40-plus points? No, they don't because the Celtics just showed you they have so much on their roster and so many all-around players that they can keep things manageable and afloat when their superstar player isn't hitting because Jalen Brown has been phenomenal. Marcus Smart really stepped up to the plate. You got the 16 points from Brogdon off of the bits as well as you know Derek White hitting three uh, huge threes when they needed his scoring. So... To say all that, I say you don't want your superstar player in a game seven to start one for 13, to start 0 for 8 from the field. 
You need him going, and I think that fourth quarter and him sealing that game for the Boston Celtics, it's, it's going to be able to carry over in Game 7. That's why I think this is such a difficult game to predict, because the Celtics need their superstars not to start slow. The 76ers need their superstars to get the ball in the last four minutes. Both coaches have given us enough head-scratching moments during the course of playoffs to, to wonder, like, this is wildly unpredictable for a Game well, 7. Both, both teams are Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyatt right now. And, and, and it's crazy because if you're a better, I wouldn't bet on this game because it's, it's no telling how it's going to end up. Yeah, a thousand percent. I am cheap. And I looked at this game and I said, uh-uh, I'm out. But you are in on watching the uh, NBA playoffs, listening to it also on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. The Lakers host the Warriors presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and, of course, on Sirius XM Channel 80. Everyone's saying that the Lakers are in a must-win tonight for game six. But they're not the only home team that's in that situation. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM, Channel 80. The runner, no, slam follow. Isaiah Hartstein, Knicks by four, that's it. We're going to a game six, Friday in Miami. The Knicks season stays alive. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Brunson foul on floater, gets the bounce. Brunson with 37, Knicks by six. Barrett drives, one to shoot, the runner, no, slam follow. Isaiah Hardenstein, Knicks by four, that's it. We're going to a game six, Friday in Miami. The Knicks season stays alive. We just came out to fight, and uh, we didn't get discouraged with a 10 point deficit in the first quarter, and uh, we just kept fighting. I think maybe my favorite thing about Love Fridays is when we bring a guest on that's not used to coming on on Love Fridays. And they hear the music and the tone. They feel it. They get all the feels and they wonder, what the hell am I doing in my life and why am I on this show? (laughs) Nobody feeling Love Fridays better than our buddy Nick Friedel. It's Fitz and Harry, by the way. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Nick, ESPN NBA reporter, is in Miami. And I think, Devin, is it, is it real that he just hung up? Did Nick just hang up on us? Did Nick Friedel just hang up on I us? I heard something, and I did was like, did, did yeah, he drop? a little audio cue? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just dropped. I guess he's like, I'm, I'm not coming on on Love I Friday. I mean, here's the thing. Like, Nick obviously heard the soundtrack and was like, I, my, my loins weren't ready for this. Like, that's <laughs> the don't only take Don't away. freeze on us, Nick. <laughs> don't freeze, Nick. This is your moment, bud. Evan is Don't freeze him. on us. Ever, usually this stuff all happens behind the scenes and we would just keep rolling, but this is too amazing too. Nick, did you leave us because these uh, the, this song made you know no place to say yes, yes? 
I mean, are you kidding me? I probably had this on an hour ago when I was trying to go to sleep for 20 minutes. I love this stuff. My phone just didn't want any part of it. I mean, I was uh, my, my my favorite uh, my favorite song of all time is still "Twisted" by Key Sweat, which I feel like would fit right into. Uh, what you guys got going on here? But I mean, that's know, what I'm talking fit. about, Nick. That's what I'm talking I'm telling about. You, like, we like we like to use Friday <laughs> afternoon. You know I'm ready. <laughs> that's right. We're, we're using you Friday noon to set the, the the tone for Friday night. Like, there's a, it's a mood. Like, we're we're basically foreplay for everybody's weekend. Uh, here's the thing. Now let's get to basketball. Now that I've made all of our bosses uncomfortable, uh, it, hear me out. You're you're in Miami. You're all over this Heat Knicks series, and everybody keeps telling me that the Lakers must win tonight for the Warriors to avoid going to Golden State. From what you've seen in the series, could you say the same thing about the Heat and trying to avoid Madison Square Garden? No. And the difference is Jimmy Butler is not going to allow that team to fold in a rough environment. Now, Fitz, I would take, if the Knicks can get through tonight, I'm taking the Knicks to win Game 7 because in the 15 years I've been covering the league, I have never seen the type of raucous environment that the Garden provides in the postseason. It's just different. Uh, and there are a lot of big moments that other teams, certainly the Cavs in the first round, just aren't ready for. But I've been around this Heat team enough, and I've been around Jimmy uh, a long, long time. He's not going to let them get swayed. So uh, I think that as as – much as Miami wants to close tonight, and the feel is that they will close tonight, I just don't believe that it's all over with for them if for whatever reason they don't. So, Nick, in that game five from the Knicks side of things, Jalen Brunson and also Quentin Grimes both played 48 minutes. Is there some type of concern heading into game six, knowing both of those guys played the entire game? There's not from Tibbs, Harry. <laughs> I mean, he was laughing about it. As soon as that game ended, I said, hey, Tom, would you be okay if you put them back on the floor for 48 minutes? And he looked at me like I was crazy, which, of course, is not the first time that's happened because I've covered him since he, he started with the Bulls. But that's just how he operates. And it is very clear. There is a trust level with Tibbs, and then there's a, a trust inner circle that he's going to throw a guy out there for 48 minutes and believe that they can get it done. So uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, he's ready for whatever Tibbs throws at him. I think Grimes was pretty exhausted at the end of that game. I'd be surprised if he went all 48 again. But uh, I, I know Tom well enough to know that at this point, he doesn't care about the analytics. He doesn't care about uh, what people may say that, oh, he's running his guys into the ground. He's going to play the guys he trusts the most. And especially defensively, if he feels like you can get some kind of edge in at least limiting Jimmy, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if both those guys are out there again. But we'll see how much they have in the gas tank after just doing it in Game 5. He's Nick Fidel, ESPN NBA reporter. You just said limiting Jimmy. What's the latest on his health and how close to 100% is he right now? I don't think anybody is... All 100 right now, Fitz. But uh, that ankle, it, it still looks like it's it's slowing him just a tad. But, guys, look at that box score from the other night. And we shot it 12 times. 
the difference between Game 5 and coming up tonight in Miami and Game 6 is I just expect him to be a lot more aggressive. And he knows what's on the line. He knows that, especially we're talking about not going back to the Garden and not getting into that atmosphere in a potential Game 7. Think about it this way, too. If Miami and Jimmy, if they win tonight, they get all these days off prior to game one against Boston or Philly because now that series doesn't start till Wednesday. So uh, this is a huge, huge, or excuse me, Tuesday, I think, the 17th. I, I'm getting my days all mixed up. But this is a huge moment in time for that team to be able to get rest, get some rehab, and allow Jimmy those extra days to just take a break after all the minutes and the injury that he sustained. So the cat's out of the bag, Nick. AD is playing for the Lakers tonight. What should we be watching for early on to see if AD is 100%? Harry, if I'm the Lakers, I'm trying to get him involved early and often. Uh, And if I'm the Warriors, I am as physical as I can possibly be with him because he's going to set the tone for better or worse. Uh, Anthony Davis in this series has shown that uh, he has the ability to be the difference maker. It's just that we haven't seen the consistency from him. I mean, when you see him play two games in a row that are good, you're kind of waiting going, all right, well, when's the bad one coming? Because we all know <laughs> that it's in there somewhere. So after uh, he sustained that injury, You just want to see that he's moving all right. And uh, for the Lakers, I would expect them to try and get him the ball and allow him to find his rhythm uh, early on. Because if he sets that tone, guys, if he's going to the basket and he's knocking things down early, then uh, I I think that this could be the Lakers' moment. And they're going to need it because nobody wants to go against Steph. (laughs) Nobody wants him to get hot and get rolling. Uh, But – that when he went down the other night and you, you know we saw all the, the things that happened both right at the end of the game and then after i would i would if i were the warriors go right at him defensively and allow him to either step up to the challenge or show that he's just still not 100% and close to what he was so it's like your teachers teach you in school. You got to be physical with an F, not a P, Nick. Oh. <laughs> wow. wow. That, is, that is something in school that I was way too familiar with, that, that uh, F part. Uh, I wanted no part of it. But, yeah, <laughs> go at him and see, <laughs> see what happens, Terry. <laughs> Before uh, – I know we got to let you go. Before we do that real quick, everyone's asking this season about the Suns. Is it a failure? I know you know KD so well. want to ask you – do you think this season was a failure for Kevin Durant? It's not for him, Fitz, only because he didn't control the pieces that went back in that trade. By uh, by getting Kevin, the, the Suns and their new owner, Matt Ishbia, they just gutted the depth on the team. Now, if Kevin can't help this team win a title in the next couple of years while he's there, then absolutely the failure on the whole will be on Kevin because, remember, I mean, he pushed for it. it. It was Phoenix is where he wanted to go if he was getting out of Brooklyn. But this season, uh, in the limited amount of time that he's had, I don't think as much as people love to blame Kevin for stuff, you can push it to that level because he just hasn't had the opportunity to kind of learn what's, 
what's there around him. And, guys, let's be real. There wasn't that much there. You knew what you were getting from Kevin. You knew what you were getting from Booker night to night. You do not know what you're getting on the rest of that roster. And that is a front office and ownership problem right now more than it's a KD problem. Two things I'm 100% sure of. You're a gem, and I can't thank you enough for coming on on a busy day. And also, I'm never going to be able to have Key Sweat come on when I'm doing the hibbity-dibbity again because I'm just going to think of Nick Friedel. That's <laughs> oh, what I, my goodness. What, 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 what in the that's, hell is going on, Nick? What is wrong with this? Oh, <laughs> it's Love Fridays, Nick. No, no guarantees around here, brother. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for hanging out with us. I miss you, buddy. I hope you guys are great. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Tune in for baseball action tomorrow. Red Sox host the Cardinals. Coverage begins at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up, the NBA's worst-case scenario in these playoffs is playing out in front of their eyes, and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. and Harry, the podcast. Look at this. You hear this? You hear the boo birds in Phoenix? Sheesh. Nuggets lead it by 30 at halftime. Let's go. Jokic back behind him over to Casey. Casey through the window to you. What a pass. Jump off to the end. Pass by Casey P. Wow. The Denver Nuggets blow out the Phoenix Suns for the second game in a row. The Denver Nuggets go to the Western Conference Finals. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. The Knicks take on the Heat tonight, 7.30 p.m. The Warriors take on the Lakers, 10 p.m. Those are both Eastern time. Don't forget Warriors-Lakers coverage also right here on ESPN Radio. It begins at 9.30 p.m. NBA action's got you covered. But hear me out, Harry. I'm about to say something. Uh-oh. That I think is real and mm-hmm. the NBA might not like. I don't know if there's been a superstar, MVP, absolute epic level player that their own league was rooting against more than Jokic and the NBA. And this isn't because Jokic isn't a great player. NBA heads, I can already hear you yelling, no, respect him. This is because casual fans don't give a damn about the Nuggets, they don't give a damn about Jokic, and the way he plays is not this sexy highlight reel that puts everybody, puts butts in seats. So right now, the NBA has a problem because, frankly, the team that had the loaded superstars got thumped last night. The Nuggets, deservedly so, are advancing, and all of a sudden, the NBA's got to be sitting here saying, wait, we don't, we might, we're not getting KD in the finals. We might get the Warriors, we might get the Lakers, 
or we might get Jokic in the Nuggets. You can't tell me they aren't coward in the corner of their offices in fear with that possibility. Well, the thing the thing about it that stands out the most to me is that the way he plays the game isn't eye catching, you know, to the average fan. Isn't eye catching to people who run the NBA. Right? Jokic doesn't play above the rim. He's not doing these acrobatic moves and crossing people over and, you know, just eye-catching people. But the way he plays the game, to me, Fitz, I'll be honest with you, is a breath of fresh air. And I actually think the NBA needs people like Jokic. Think about this. Two of the most skillful people that we have in the NBA today, Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic. Both of those guys don't even play above the rim. But that's not what a lot of people want to see. They want to see the flashy dunks and the fadeaway three-pointers. But there's nothing wrong with the game being played the right way. Guess what? He just sent Devin Booker and Kevin Durant home having back-to-back triple-doubles. The man last night had, let me see, 32 points, 12 assists, and 10, 10 rebounds. Do you know they were up by 30 points at halftime? So when they went up by 30 points at halftime, what you think I did, Fitz? I uh, went to sleep. I went to damn bed. Yeah, yeah, I you said, and me both. There's no way the Phoenix Suns are coming back from 30 points down at halftime and winning this game. Not against a two-time back-to-back MVP award winner. Not against a guy in Nikola Jokic that a lot of people has talked about this season, you know, that he had a lot of pressure on him. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? He's now in the Western Conference Finals. And I don't know who he's going to play, whether it's the Golden State Warriors or the Los Angeles Lakers, but he has an opportunity to get to an NBA Finals. And a lot of people might not like it, but I love the way he plays the game, man. It's the way it should be taught. But in a flashy world, in a highlight world, sometimes the thing that you can do that makes your life the most difficult is actually making things look easy. And you see this, like, I'll go back to my music roots. Like, if you've got somebody out there that looks like they're laboring, they're playing a million notes on an instrument, and it's like, oh, man, that's the coolest thing ever. People freak out because it looks really hard. And then you'll have somebody that's infinitely more talented play the same exact thing but make it look easy, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's cool, I guess. Like, it's the fact that the way Jokic plays, to your point, not only uh, not above the rim, but also just it all looks pretty effortless for him. He makes he the game look easy, and that hits different. And and I, I know I've said this before, but I'm, I'm lucky to get to host SportsCenter on Snapchat a lot. We do a ton of NBA. We will lead on a huge football day. We will lead that show with a highlight from any NBA game that will really make people resonate because you need people to click, right? I've gone mm-hmm. into that production meeting several times and been like, oh, all of the Nuggets are playing. I get laughed at. Like, even on a, on a platform that loves NBA highlights, he's just not a highlight guy. He's just wildly productive. So what do you do when you might have, uh, I mean, arguably, one of the faces of your league and nobody knows what he looks like? Most people don't know what he sounds like. Most people don't really find themselves interested in watching him play. Like, these are weird things for the NBA to figure out here. And, and I will say this, though, because I'm not going to sit up here and be a hypocrite and talk about how people, you know, a lot of times don't watch him because of, the way he's playing the game of basketball, I've been like that too because I'm enamored by the Steph Curry shooting the threes and LeBron James's and, and those guys. But I, I, I truly love the way he plays the game, though, because that's the way it's supposed to be played. I just love when great great players get great things, and that's happening right now in Denver, even if nobody wants it to happen. So yep. we'll see how it plays forward as they have advanced to the Western Conference Final. All right, coming up, why one fan base yelled out a huge uh-oh when they found out something we've already known for months. Tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. 
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 